Section 9 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2 by Zhao Xuqing, translated by Henry Bancroft Julie, Chapter 29, Part 1. A happy man enjoys a full measure of happiness, but still prays for happiness. A beloved girl is very much loved, but yet craves for more love. Pao Yu, so our story runs, was gazing vacantly when Pao Yu, at a moment least expected, flung her handkerchief at him, which just hit him on the eyes, and frightened him out of his wits. Who was it? he cried. Lin Yu nodded her head and smiled. I would not venture to do such a thing, she said. It was a mere slip of my hand. As cousin Bao Chai wished to see the silly wild goose, I was pointing it out to her, when the handkerchief inadvertently threw out of my grip. Bao Yu kept on rubbing his eyes. The idea suggested itself to him to make some remonstrance, but he could not again very well open his lips. Presently, Lady Feng arrived. She then alluded, in the course of conversation, to the Thanksgiving service, which was to be offered on the first in the Qingshu Temple, and invited Bao Chai, Bao Yu, Bai Yu, and the other inmates with them to be present at the theatricals. Never mind, smiled Bao Chai. It's too hot. Besides, what place haven't I seen? I don't mean to come. It's cool enough over at their place, answered Lady Fong. There are also two storied buildings on either side, so we must all go. I'll send servants a few days before to drive all that herd of Taoist priests out, to sweep the upper stories, hang up curtains, and to keep out every single lover from the interior of the temple. So it will be all right like that. I've already told our Madam Wang that if you people don't go, I mean to go all alone. As I've been again in very low spirits these last few days, and as when theatricals come off at home, it's out of the question for me to look on with any peace and quiet. When Dowager Lady Cha heard what she said, she smiled. Well, in that case, she remarked, I'll go along with you. Lady Fong, at these words, gave a smile. Venerable ancestor, she replied, were you also to go, it would be ever so much better, yet I won't feel quite at my ease. Tomorrow, Dowager Lady Jia continued, I can stay in the two-storied building situated on the principal site, while you can go to the one on the side. You can then likewise dispense with coming over to where I shall be to stand on any ceremonies. Will this suit you or not? This is indeed, Lili Feng smiled, a proof of your regard for me, my worthy senior. Old Lady Jia at this stage faced Bao Chai. You two should go, she said, so should your mother. For if you remain the whole day long at home, you will again sleep your head off. Bao Chai felt constrained to signify her assent. Daoja Lady Jia then also dispatched domestics to invite Mrs. Xie, and on their way, they notified Madame Wang that she was to take the young ladies along 
with her. But Madame Wang felt, in the first place, in a poor state of health, and was, in the second, engaged in making preparations for the reception of any arrivals from Yuan Chun, so that she, at an early hour, sent word that it was impossible for her to leave the house. Yet, when she received old lady Jia's behest, she smiled and exclaimed, Are her spirit still so buoyant? And transmitted the message into the garden that any who had any wish to avail themselves of the opportunity were at liberty to go on the first, with their venerable senior as their chaperon. As soon as these tidings were spread abroad, everyone else was indifferent as to whether they went or not. But of those girls who, day after day, never put their foot outside the doorstep, which of them was not keen upon going, the moment they heard the permission conceded to them? Even if any of their respective mistresses were too lazy to move, they employed every expedient to induce them to go. Hence, it was that Li Kongtai and the other inmates signified their unanimous intention to be present. Dowager Lady Jia at this grew more exultant than ever, and she issued immediate directions for servants to go and sweep and put things in proper order. But to all these preparations, there is no necessity of making detailed reference. Sufficient to relate that on the first day of the moon, carriages stood in a thick maze, and men and horses in close concourse at the entrance of the Yongguo mansion. When the servants, the various managers, and other domestics came to learn that the imperial consort was to perform good deeds, and that Dowager Lady Jia was to go in person and offer incense, they arranged, as it happened, that the first of the moon, which was the principal day of the ceremonies, was in addition the season of the Dragon Boat Festival. All the necessary articles in perfect readiness and with unusual splendor. Shortly, old lady Jia and the other inmates started on their way the old lady sat in an official chair carried by eight bearers widow li lady feng and mrs Xie, each in a four-bearer chair bao chai and dai yu mounted together a curricle with green cover and pearl tassels bearing the eight precious things the three sisters ying chun tang jian and si chun got in a carriage with red wheels and ornamented hood. Next in order followed Dowager Lady Jia's waiting maids, Yuan Yang, Ying Wu, Wu Po, Zhen Zhu, Lin Dayu's waiting maids, Ji Chun, Xue Yan, and Chun Xian, Bao Chai's waiting maids, Ying Er, and Wen Xing, Ying Chun's servant girls, Xi Qi, and Xiu Jue, Tan Chun's waiting maids, Xi Shu and Tui Mo, Xi Chuan's servant girls, Yu Hua and Cai Ping, and Mrs. Jie's waiting maids, Tong Xi and Tong Gui. Besides these were joined to their retinue, Chang Ling and Chang Ling's servant girl, Chen Er, Mrs. Li's waiting maids, Zhu Yun and Bi Yue. Lady Feng's servant girls, Ping Er, Feng Er, and Xiao Hong, as well as Madame Wang's two wedding maids, Jin Chuan and Cai Yun. Along with Lady Feng came a nurse carrying Da Jie Er, 
she drove in a separate carriage together with a couple of seven girls added also to the number of the suite were matrons and nurses attached to the various establishments and the wives of the servants of the household who were in attendance out of doors their carriages forming one black solid mass therefore crammed the whole extent of the streets dowager lady Jia and other members of the party had already proceeded a considerable distance in their chairs and yet the inmates at the gate had not finished mounting their vehicles this one shouted i won't sit with you then one cried you've crossed our mistress bundle in the carriages yonder one screamed you've pulled my flowers off another one nearer exclaimed you've broken my fan and they chatted and chatted and talked and laughed with such incessant volubility that Jaworer's wife had to go backward and forward calling them to task girls she said this is the street the onlookers will laugh at you but it was only after she had expostulated with them several times that any sign of improvement became at last visible the van of the procession had long ago reached the entrance of the Qing Su temple pao yu rode on horseback he preceded the chair occupied by his grandmother Jia. the throngs that filled the streets ranged themselves on either side on the arrival at the temple the sound of bells and the rattle of drums struck their ear forthwith appeared the head bonds a stick of incense in hand his cloak thrown over his shoulders he took his stand by the wayside at the head of a company of taoist priests to present his greetings the moment dowager lady Jia reached in her chair the interior of the main gate she described the lares and the penates the lord presiding over that particular district and the clay images of the various gods and she at once gave orders to halt Chen advanced to receive her acting as leader to the male members of the family lady feng was well aware that yuan yang and the other attendants were at the back and could not overtake their old mistress so she herself alighted from her chair to volunteer her services she was about to hastily press forward and support her when by a strange accident a young taoist neophyte of twelve or thirteen years of age who held a case containing scissors with which he had been snuffing the candles burning in the various places just seized the opportunity to run out and hide himself when he unawares rushed head foremost into lady feng's arms lady feng speedily raised her hand and gave him such a slap on the face that she made the young fellow reel over and performed a somersault you boorish young bastard she shouted where are you running to the young taoist did not even give a thought to picking up the scissors but crawling up on to his feet again he tried to scamper outside but just at that very moment pao chai and the rest of the young ladies were dismounting from their vehicles and the matrons and women servants were closing them in so thoroughly on all sides that not a puff of wind or a drop of rain could penetrate and when they perceived a taoist neophyte come rushing headlong out of the place they with one voice exclaimed catch him catch him beat him beat him Olivia overheard their cries 
She asked with alacrity what the fuss was all about. Chao Zhen immediately stepped outside to make inquiries. Lady Feng then advanced, and propping up her old senior, she went on to explain to her that a young Taoist priest, whose duties were to snuff the candles, had not previously retired out of the compound, and that he was now endeavouring to recklessly force his way out. Be quick and bring the lad here, shouted Dao Lady Jia, as soon as she heard her explanation. But mind, don't frighten him. Children of mean families invariably get into the way of being spoiled by overindulgence. However could he have set eyes before upon such display as this? Were you to frighten him, he will really be much to be pitied, and won't his father and mother be exceedingly cut up? As she spoke, she asked Jia Zhen to go and do his best to bring him round. Jia Zhen felt under the necessity of going, and he managed to drag the lad into her presence. With the scissors still clasped in his hand, the lad fell on his knees and trembled violently. Dao Lady Jia bade Jia Zhen raise him up. There's nothing to fear, she said reassuringly. Then she asked him how old he was. The boy, however, could on no account give vent to speech. Poor boy once more exclaimed the old lady. And continuing, Brother Zhen, she added, addressing herself to Zhao Zhen, take him away and give him a few cash to buy himself fruit with, and to impress upon everyone that they are not to bully him. Zhao Zhen signified his assent and led him off. During this time, old lady Zhao, taking along with her the whole family party, paid her devotions in story after story, and visited every place. The young pages who stood outside watched their old mistress and the other inmates enter the second row of gates, but of a sudden they espied Jia Zhen went his way outwards, leading a young Taoist priest, and calling the servants to come. Say, take him and give him several hundreds of cash, and abstain from ill-treating him. At these orders, the domestics approached with hurried step and led him off. Jia Zhen then inquired from the terrace steps where the major dharma was. At this inquiry, the pages standing below called out in chorus, Major dharma, Lin Ji Xiao, ran over at once, while adjusting his hat with one hand and appeared in the presence of Jia Zhen. I bet this is a spacious place, Jia Zhen began. We muster a good concourse today, so you'd better bring into this court those servants who will be of any use to you, and send over into that one those who won't, and choose a few from among those young pages to remain on duty, at the second gate and at the two side entrances, so as to ask for things and deliver messages. Do you understand me? Yes or no? The young ladies and ladies have all come out of town today, and not a single outsider must be permitted to put his foot in here. I understand, replied Lin Jixiao, hurriedly signifying his obedience. Next, he uttered several yeses. Now, proceeded Jia Zhen, you can go on your way. But how is it? I don't see anything of Rong'er, he went on to ask. This question was barely out of his lips, 
when he caught sight of Yonger running out of the belfry. Look at him, shouted Zhang Jin. Look at him. I don't feel hot in here, and yet he must go in search of a cool place. Spit at him, he cried to the family servants. The young pages were fully aware that Zhang Jin's ordinary disposition was such that he could not brook contradiction. And one of the lads speedily came forward and sputtered in Jia Yong's face. But Jia Jin still kept his gaze fixed on him. So the young page had to inquire of Jia Yong. Master doesn't feel hot here, and how is it that you, sir, have been the first to go and get cool? Jia Yong, however, dropped his arms and did not venture to utter a single sound. Jia Yun, Jia Ping, Jia Qing, and the other young people overheard what was going on, and not only were they scared out of their wits, but even Jia Ling, Jia Ping, Jia Chong, and their companions were stricken with intense fright, and one by one they quietly slipped down along the foot of the wall. What are you standing there for? Jia Jin shouted to Jia Yong. Don't you yet get on your horse and gallop home and tell your mother that our venerable senior is here? with all the young ladies, and bid them come at once and wait upon them. As soon as Jia Yong heard these words, he ran out with hurried stride and called out repeatedly for his horse. Now he felt resentment, arguing with him himself. Who knows what he has been up to the whole morning, that he now finds fault with me. Now he went on to abuse the young servants, crying, Are your hands made fast? that you can't lead the horse round, and he felt inclined to bid a servant boy go on the errand, but fearing again lest he should subsequently be found out and be at a loss how to account for his conduct, he felt compelled to proceed in person. So mounting his steed, he started on his way. But to return to Jarjan, just as he was about to betaken himself inside, he noticed the Taoist Zhang who stood next to him, forced a smile. I'm not properly speaking, he remarked, on the same footing as the others, and should be in attendance inside. But as on account of the intense heat, the young ladies have come out of doors. I couldn't presume to take upon myself to intrude and ask what your orders, sir, are. But the Dowager Lady may possibly inquire about me, or may like to visit any part of the temple. So I shall wait in here. Jia Chen was fully cognizant that this Taoist priest, Chang, had, it is true, in past days, stood as a substitute for the Duke of the Yongguo mansion, but that the former emperor had, with his own lips, conferred upon him the appellation of the immortal being of the great unreal, that he held at present the seal of Taoist superior, that the reigning emperor had raised him to the rank of the pure man, that the princes, nowadays dukes, and high officials styled him the supernatural being, and he did not therefore venture to treat him with any disrespect. In the second place, he knew that he had paid frequent visits to the mansions, and that he had made the acquaintance of the ladies and young ladies. So when he heard his present remark, he smilingly rejoined, Do you again make use of such language amongst ourselves? One word more, and I will take that beard of yours and outroot it. 
Don't you yet come along with me inside? Ha ha! Laughed the Tower's Jiang aloud as he followed Jia Chen in. Jia Chen approached Dowager Lady Jia. Bending his body, he strained a laugh. Grandfather Jiang, he said, has come in to pay his respects. Raise him up! Old Lady Jia vehemently called out. Jia Chen lost no time in pulling him to his feet and bringing him over. The Taoist Jiang first indulged in loud laughter. Oh, Buddha of unlimited years, he then observed. Have you kept all right and in good health throughout, venerable senior? Have all the ladies and young ladies continued well? I haven't been for some time to your mansion to pay my obeisance, but you, my Taoist lady, have improved more and more. Venerable immortal being, smiled old lady Jia, how are you? Quite well, thanks to the ten thousand blessings he has enjoined from your hands, rejoined Jiang the Taoist. Your servant too continues pretty strong and hell. In every other respect, I have after all been all right, but I have felt much concern about Mr. Bao Yu. Has he been all right all the time? The other day on the 26th of the fourth moon, I celebrated the birthday of the heaven-pervading mighty king. Few people came and everything went off right and proper. I told them to invite Mr. Bao to come for a stroll, but how was it they said that he wasn't at home? It was indeed true that he was away from home, remarked Dowager Lady Jia. As she spoke, she turned her head round and called Bao Yu. Bao Yu had, as it happened, just returned from outside where he had been to make himself comfortable, and with speedy step, he came forward. My respects to you, Grandfather Jiang, he said. The Taoist Chang eagerly clasped him in his arms and inquired how he was getting on. Turning towards old lady Jia, Mr. Bao, he observed, has grown fatter than ever. Outwardly, his looks, replied Dowager lady Jia, may be all right, but inwardly he is weak. In addition to this, his father presses him so much to study that he has again and again managed all through this bullying to make his child fall sick. The other day, continued Jiang, the Taoist, I went to several places on a visit and saw characters written by Mr. Bao and verses composed by him, all of which were exceedingly good. So how is it that his worthy father still feels displeased with him and maintains that Mr. Bao is not very fond of his books? According to my humble idea, he knows quite enough. As I consider Mr. Bao's face, his bearing, his speech, and his deportment, he proceeded, heaving a sigh. What a striking resemblance I found in him to the former duke of the Yong mansion. As he uttered these words, tears rolled down his cheeks. At these words, only the jar herself found it hard to control her feelings. Her face became covered with the traces of tears. Quite so, she assented. I've had ever so many sons and grandsons, and not one of them betrayed the slightest resemblance to his grandfather, and this Bao Yu turns out to be the very image of him. What the former Duke of Yongguo was like in appearance, Jiang, the Taoist went on to remark, addressing himself to Jia Chen, you gentlemen and your generation were, of course, needless to say, not in time to see for yourselves, but I fancy that even our senior master and our master secundus have but a faint recollection of it. This said, he burst into another loud fit of laughter. The other day he resumed, 
I was at someone's house, and there I met a young girl who is this year in her fifteenth year, and verily gifted with a beautiful face. And I bethought myself that Mr. Bao must also have a wife found for him, as far as looks, intelligence, and mental talents, extraction, and family standing go. This maiden is a suitable match for him. But as I didn't know what your venerable ladyship would have to say about it, your servant did not presume to act recklessly, but waited until I could ascertain your wishes before I took upon myself to open my mouth with the parties concerned. Some time ago, responded Dowager Lady Jia, Abons explained that it was ordained by destiny that this child shouldn't be married at an early age, and that we should put things off until he grew somewhat in years before anything was settled. But mark my words now, pay no regard as to whether she be of wealthy and honourable stock or not. The essential thing is to find one whose looks make her a fit match for him, and then come at once and tell me. For even admitting that the girl is poor, all I shall have to do will be to bestow on her a few ounces of silver. But fine looks and a sweet temperament are not easy things to come across. When she had done speaking, Lady Feng was heard to smilingly interpose. Grandfather Chang, aren't you going to change the talisman of recorded name of our daughter? The other day, lucky enough for you, you had again the great cheek to send someone to ask me for some satin of gosling yellow color. I gave it to you, for had I not, I was afraid lest your old face should have been made to feel uneasy. Ah, ha, roared the towers Chang. Just see how my eyes must have grown dim. I didn't notice that you, my lady, were in here, nor did I express one word of thanks to you. The talisman of recorded name is ready long ago. I managed to have sent it over the day before yesterday, but the unforeseen visit of the empress to perform meritorious deeds upset my equilibrium and made me quite forget it. But it's still placed before the gods, and if you will wait, I will go and fetch it. Saying this, he rushed into the main hall. Presently, he returned with a tea tray in hand, on which was spread a deep red satin cover, brocaded with dragons. In this, he presented the charm. Dajer's nurse took it from him. But just as the Taoist was on the point of taking Dajer in his embrace, Lady Feng remarked with a smile, It would have been sufficient if you carried it in your hand. And why use a tray to lay it on? My hands aren't clean, replied the Taoist Chang. So how could I very well have taken hold of it? A tray therefore make things much cleaner. When you produced that tray just now, laughed Lady Feng, you gave me quite a start. I didn't imagine that it was for the purpose of bringing the charm in. It really looked as if you were disposed to beg donation of us. This observation sent the whole company into a violent fit of laughter. Even Jia Chen could not suppress a smile. What a monkey, Dowager Lady Jia exclaimed, turning her head round. What a monkey you are. Aren't you afraid of going down to that hell where tongues are cut off? I've got nothing to do with any man whatever, rejoined Lady Feng, laughing. And why does he time and again tell me that it's my bounden duty to lay up a store of meritorious deeds, and that if I'm remiss, my life will be short? Jam, the Taoist, 
indulged in further laughter. I brought out, he explained, the tray so as to kill two birds with one stone. It wasn't, however, to beg for donations. On the contrary, it was in order to put in it the jade, which I meant to ask Mr. Bao to take off, so as to carry it outside and let all those Taoist friends of mine, who come from far away, as well as my neophytes and the young apprentices, see what it's like. Well, since that be the case, added Olivia, why do you, at your age, try your strength by running about the whole day long? Take him at once along and let them see it. But were you to have caught him in there, wouldn't it have saved a lot of trouble? Your venerable ladyship, resumed Jiang, the Taoist, isn't aware that though I be, to look at, a man of eighty, I, after all, continue, thanks to your protection, my dowager lady, quite hell and strong. In the second place, there are crowds of people in outer rooms, and the smells are not agreeable. Besides, it's a very hot day, and Mr. Bao couldn't stand the heat, as he is not accustomed to it. So, were he to catch any disease from the filthy odors, it would be a grave thing. After these forebodings, Oli Dija accordingly desired Bao Yu to unclasp the jade of spiritual perception and to deposit it in the tray. The Taoist, Zhang, carefully ensconced it in the folds of the wrapper, embroidered with dragons, and left the room, supporting the tray with both his hands. During this while, Daoja Lady Jia and the other inmates devoted more of their time in visiting the various places, but just as they were on the point of going up the two-storied building, they heard Jia Jin shout, Grandfather Jiang has brought back the jade. As he spoke, the Taoist Jiang was seen advancing up to them, the tray in hand, the whole company, he smiled, were much obliged to me. They think Mr. Bao's jay really lovely. None of them have, however, any suitable gifts to bestow. These are religious articles used by each of them in propagating the doctrines of reason. But they are all only too ready to give them as congratulatory presents. If Mr. Bao, you don't fancy them for anything else, just keep them to play with or to give away to others. Daoja Lady Jia, at these words, looked into the tray. She discovered that its contents consisted of gold signets and jade rings or scepters, implying, may you have your wishes accomplished in everything, or may you enjoy peace and health from year to year. That the various articles were strung with pearls or inlaid with precious stones, worked in jade or mounted in gold and that they were in all from thirty to fifty. What nonsense you are talking, she then exclaimed. Those people are all divines, and where could they have rummaged up these things? But what need is there from any such presence? He may, on no account, accept them. These are intended as a small token of their esteem, responded Jiang, the Taoist, smiling. Your servant cannot therefore venture to interfere with them. If your venerable ladyship will not keep them, won't you make it patent to them that I'm treated contemptuously, and unlike what one should be, who has joined the order through your household? Only when old lady Jar heard these arguments did she direct a servant to receive the presents. Venerable senior, Bao Yu smilingly chimed in, after the reasons advanced by Grandfather Jiang, we cannot possibly refuse them, 
but albeit I feel disposed to keep these things, they are of no avail to me. So would it not be well, where a servant told to carry the tray and to follow me out of doors, that I may distribute them to the poor? You are perfectly right in what you say, smiled Dowager Lady Jia. The Taoist Jiang, however, went on speedily to use various arguments to dissuade him. Mr. Bao, he observed, your intention is, it is true, to perform charitable acts, but though you may aver that these things are of little value, you will nevertheless find among them several articles you might turn to some account. Were you to let the beggars have them? Why? They will, first of all, be none the better for them, and next, it will, contrary-wise, be tantamount to throwing them away. If you want to distribute anything among the poor, why don't you dole out cash to them? Put them by, promptly shouted Bao Yu after this rejoinder. And when evening comes, take a few cash and distribute them. These directions given, Jiang, the Taoist, retired out of the place. End of section 9